Our scripture today, tonight, is from the book of Luke, the uh, second chapter. Excuse me a minute. Those of you who wear glasses are familiar that if you need them to read and there's something on them, I don't get to see those snowmen. And not everybody had snowmen. Some of you had snowflakes or what did you have? candy canes, the different glasses. Parents, if you've got a child with you, you got to look through these. The rest of you just got to be jealous. <laughs> they, are, they are so cool. But, but, you know, sometimes, sometimes those of us who need glasses need them to see the world differently. And the kids' glasses allow them to see the world differently. My glasses allow me to read, um, but also to see it. Oh, you guys look good. Now I can see you. They allow you to, to have a different vision for, for what the world is, for the reality of it. I think that, that if we approach Scripture in different ways, we can see the world maybe as the way God intended. Maybe we can read Scripture in a way that allows us to have a broader understanding of God's activity in the world, of God's actions, what God is seeking to do in the world, in your life, and through your life, into the lives of others. So I thought it'd be good for us to kind of think about what, what's actually going on in this scripture, this, this popular scripture that you're probably already familiar with. It begins in this way. In those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. What we're finding out here is that this birth of Christ is not a fable. It's not a legend. It happened in human history. God acted in human history. I believe God still acts in human history. God acts in our lives all the time. But at this particular story, God acted in a very decisive way. A very decisive way made a, a strong decision and a strong witness of God's love for us in human history. And everyone went to their own town to register. God acts when, when people are oppressed. When people in power make people without power go to register for a census, it's for tax purposes and oppressive tax purposes. That's why this took place. And I believe that God shows up in this way at this time because God often acts in favor of those who are oppressed. God favors some people over others. That's a pretty strong statement, but let me come back to it later, and I promise I will. By the way, you know the shepherds are coming in this story, right? They were, they were like the lowest caste of society, of, of of Jewish society. Well, maybe not the lowest, because as far as the Jews were concerned, the Gentiles, meaning non-Jewish people, were like down here in the dirt. And then right above them were the people that would not be allowed in the temple. 
because of illness or birth defect, because they were, they were blind or, or sick or in some other way unclean, unperfect to be in the temple. <laughs> the shepherds would be unclean by their standards. And then they rank just above that. They're unclean because of the work they do. And, and you know, I still think that we rank people according to their employment sometimes, or even unemployment. And I wonder what God thinks about that. Why don't we get to that later? So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. You know what had to happen in Bethlehem, right? It was part of Scripture, There was Old Testament scripture, prophecy, that said that the Savior would be born in the same town that a previous great man was born in, that being David, the king of Israel. It was part of prophecy that that God promised, and God fulfilled his promise through this oppressive taxing. God used a human instrument of taxation to get Mary and Joseph from Nazareth, where they otherwise would have given birth, to Bethlehem. Not that God caused the oppression, but sometimes God uses those difficult and and, uh, oppressive times of our lives for a greater good. God's not causing it, but God uses it. He went to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. It's the whole virgin birth thing, right? The part of the story also has a prophetic fulfillment in it. In Isaiah 7, chapter chapter 7, verse 14, we read, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. Well, that wasn't really his name. Right? It, it, it was more of a title. His name was Jesus. That wasn't really his name either. His name was Yeshua. That was the Hebrew name he was given, which we usually, for every other character in the Bible, we translate Yeshua into Joshua. But when you take Yeshua in the Hebrew and translate it into the Greek and from the Greek into the Latin and from the Latin into Old English, it comes out Jesus. It's not really important, but it might help you on a trivial night contest. His name was Yeshua. They called him Emmanuel. And what that means is that, that God is with us. That's the word. Emmanuel, God is with us. In other words, when you meet Jesus, Joshua, Yeshua, you experience the presence of God. But we were talking about the virgin birth, so don't let me get off track. Mary had no marital relationships with Joseph until the birth, after the birth. She was expecting because she was willing to say yes to the will of God in her life. This average girl from an average town, really a village, in an average country, 
said yes, and the world was transformed. Think of that. The entire world was transformed because one person said yes. And then a second, Joseph. Imagine if the whole world got on board and said yes. Imagine if you got on board and said yes to the will of God in your life. But let's go on. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. One sentence. The time came for the baby to be born. It's clearly written by a man. If that sentence is written by a woman, if this book is written by a woman, it's a couple pages. I'm sorry, it's true. I don't mean to be, se- well, okay, I mean to be sexist here, but because I've been there in conversations when women talk about birth, and, and Mary would not have started with, and then I gave birth. Move on. There would have been something about the ride from Bethlehem, I mean, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. There would have been, the, 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 the midwife showed up late. And, 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 and we had to do it in a barn. It's so unclean. And, and I had no crib. I had to put them. There would have been a whole story to it. And that would have been okay. Did you know there was a midwife? It's actually not in the scripture. It's a, it's a legend. We learned uh, just in my Bible study the other day, I learned for the first time that that midwife had a name, uh, Salome, which is kind of interesting. There's a couple other Salome's that are in this story, the whole story. One of them, not such a good reputation, but this one's not her. Salome was the midwife for Jesus' birth. And right now, PBS has an article on their website about they're doing an excavation of Salome's home in Bethlehem, (laughs) just in time for Christmas. Somebody's profiting. And she gave birth. To her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Remember, I, I, I said that God favored some people over others? That's why God comes to earth as a homeless child in a cattle trough, as a crib. God has an affinity for people who are in desperate situations. Not that God loves them more, and I want you to hear that. God doesn't love anybody more than the other. I want to be clear about that. There's, There's not one of you here or one person in the world or one person in the history of the world that God loves more than you. And be real clear. You are not loved less than anyone else. The love of God is equally spread. However, you know, you know where it, it, it said that she gave birth to her firstborn son? There were others. That's why it says firstborn. There were others. As a matter of fact, their name, four brothers are named James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. There were also sisters, but they're not given names. But legend has names for them. One, Mary, because that's not confusing. And two, Salome. Go figure. Not the bad one. Now, let's just suppose that little Mary is out playing. And she trips and falls and skins her knee. 
And she comes into the house crying. Don't you suppose that Mother Mary is going to set aside her doting on Jesus for just a minute to care for the child who is hurting more? Don't you suppose? Wouldn't you? God loves us all equally. But God has a special affinity for the people who are hurting the most. Whether it is people who are hurting because circumstances of the world have caused injustice or oppression, or people who are hurting because of tragedy and trauma in their life, or people who are hurting because of loneliness, or for whatever reason, God is especially close, has a strong affinity for people in those circumstances. Jesus' birth situation shows us that God has a heart for those living in difficult situations. A little bit later in the service, we're going to talk about the missions that we sponsor at Living Word that, that we support with the offering tonight. Like those in Ghana, Africa, or in difficult situations here locally. We'll get to that. Now, where were we? Verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. Those are the shepherds I was talking about. They're the lowest of employment with the most important job. Imagine that. That never happens. Here are the people. The shepherds were taking care of sheep in Bethlehem which tells us that they were taking care of the sheep that would later be taken to the temple on Passover to be sacrificed. These were the most important sheep for Israel. The Passover was the most important holy day of their lives. And so when these sheep are taken to the temple to be sacrificed, it's these shepherds who have raised them. The very same shepherds could take them to the temple but not go in. Those shepherds, the lowest respected employment, doing the most important work. For some reason, nurses and teachers come to mind for me right at the moment. And God decides that they will be the first people, outside of immediate family, the first to learn of the birth of the Savior of the world. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were terrified. Anybody ever watch Charlie Brown Christmas? You know when, you know when Charlie Brown uh, uh, is, says, what's it all about? Does anybody know what it's all about? And Linus steps up. And Linus does this whole scripture from heart. Sorry, not doing it. Linus does this whole scripture from heart from the King James Version. And instead of saying they were terrified, it says they were sore afraid. I've never been sore afraid, I don't think. Have you? That's really afraid. I suppose if angels showed up in the middle of the night and it was dark and they showed up at my house, I might be sore afraid, wondering what that meant. But the glory of the Lord is awe-inspiring, maybe even terrifying at first. But the angel said to them, 
Do not be afraid. Easy for them to say. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Have you ever waited a long time for something and just wondered if it's ever going to happen? Maybe even coming close to giving up hope. The country of Israel and Judea, that's a Bible study for a whole other time, had not, been, had not ruled themselves for about 500 plus years. Oh, there was a time around 150 B.C., sometime in give or take 25 years that they had home rule for a little while. But, but really, they had not ruled themselves. They had been overrun by country after country. And they were, they were living for the promise that a Savior would come. The Christ, the Messiah, it's the same word. And the angels are telling the shepherds that time has come. No more waiting. Now, we know that this is a, a Savior who's going to save them from their sins, unite them with God's purpose in the world, and bring them into an eternal life in heaven. But they don't know that right away. All they know was that God was doing a new thing. And they got the early edition of this heavenly breaking news. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I'm sure that manger thing had confused them a little bit and had them scratching their heads. But they weren't given a long time to think on it. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven on, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You know, we got a great choir here. And, and when they were just singing that song, fall on your knees, hear the angel voices, that gets me in the feels every time. It's a hint of what the shepherds had heard. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They've just been given the greatest news in the history of the world, the news that God is piercing the veil between the heavenly spiritual realm and the temporal physical realm of humanity. They've been told that God cares enough to make this personal. God's not sending some emissaries. God's not sending other angels. God is sending his son, Jesus Christ. God cares enough to send the very best. And then someone had the bright idea, let's go to Bethlehem. And the others looked around and said, did you make that up on your own? And so they went. Verse 16 says, they hurried off. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And I could hear the angels say, told you so. When they had seen him, they spread the word about the word concerning what they had been told. Let's try that again. Spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. I love that part about Mary pondering, treasuring. 
holding those things true. The last time Mary heard from God, she and Joseph heard from God about the same time, about nine months ago. And it wasn't directly from God, it was from angels who told Mary and, and then told Joseph that they were about to participate in the transformation of the world. And then nine months had passed. And as Mary sits by this makeshift crib and stares at this child that looks mysteriously like every other newborn she's ever seen, she has to be wondering whether it was all a dream back then. This baby, could it really be Emmanuel, the presence of God? And I don't know about you, but whenever anyone told me that my children had done something good or right, that they were special kids in any way, I treasured that in my heart. And Mary has just gotten the confirmation she needed from these shepherds who saw angels delivering to them a message to take to Mary. God is with us. Through these shepherds, she was assured, and this assurance will carry her from Bethlehem to Egypt, to Nazareth, to the ministry of Jesus as she follows him around, and to the cross and his death, but also to his resurrection. The shepherds returned, the scripture tells us, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which, they were, just, which were just as they had been told. You know, when, when I look at this story through a different lens, some added information, a little more inspiration, when we have a clearer vision of what, what God is doing in this story, of what God has fulfilled in prophecy, and the greater purpose that God has for shepherds, and Mary and Joseph, the baby Jesus, and you and me. You see it with a new vision. See it with new eyes. Now let's hear it with that in mind. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave, him, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around him. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that had happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And with the shepherds returning to the fields to share their joy with their own friends and family, Mary can be finally maybe relax and have that silent night that we all long for on Christmas Eve. Amen and amen.